welcome to Oakham Bros. I'm Eric. And I'm Michael. And today we have a very, very special guest with us. We have Shannon McCallum, who is the chairman of the Nevada Hotel and Lodging Association Foundation. And she has worn many hats in the city of Las Vegas. And we are so thrilled to have you on, Shannon. Welcome. Welcome to Oakham Bros. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here with you both. Thank you. Thank you for coming. So we, so uh, full disclosure, BLS has worked with Shannon in the past. Mm -hmm. we, wor we worked with Shannon when she was at Aria and a little over at Mandalay Bay. And um, we've met with Shannon before. And once we found out that, you know, she was able to come on the podcast, Eric and I literally popped a bottle of champagne. I mean, this is like, this is huge for us to have you on. And we're grateful that you're, you know, coming on and telling your story. So I want to take the audience back to the beginning. So like, were you born into the hotel industry as like a queen of the hotel industry? Like, how <laughs> did you, how did you get to today? Like, how did you get, even even, you could even like stop at the Aria because we want to know like your story. How did you start and, and you know, who influenced you along the way of your journey? Gosh, well, I've been in hotels for over 35 years. I know that sounds pretty crazy. And to me, so you started when uh, you were five years old. You started when yeah. you were five years old. Okay. Yes, let's right. say that. For the record. Um, but, when, <laughs> but when you say, was I born into the hotel industry? That's a really interesting question because my father actually was a director of facilities in a hotel that was near my house. Wow. And when uh, I was 14, I ended up starting to work in, in the three meal a day restaurant. I think my parents were trying to keep me out of trouble in the summer and the weekends. And, uh, you know, I started working very young uh, in the industry and I loved it. And that was uh, in, in Las Vegas. Was that in Las Vegas? No, interestingly enough, I'm originally from Canada. It's I was living in a, a small town, small 100,000 plus people, um, Kelowna, British Columbia. It's like Northern California wine country, a lot of cottage wineries. Cool. And Kelowna is situated in the middle of a 90 mile long freshwater lake in Canada. So it was a beautiful setting. And uh, the hotel that was a mile away from my house was a luxury property. So I started in luxury food and beverage. So kind of a funny start so young. And uh, I ended up working at that property for eight seasons all the way through high school. Wow. And then and then when I went to college, it actually put me through college. I paid for my college working there too. And wow. the funny the really funny thing is is that I, I truly meant to go to law school and I took my LSATs in Canada. Same. 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 <laughs> and my parents were and, pushing me to do the, yeah. to do law and I hated it. Well, and what's really funny is that when I graduated from college, I'd already been in hotels for 11 years, which is crazy. And uh, I said to my mom, look, you know, I really love what I'm doing with hotels. It doesn't feel like it's work. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, and they say, if you find something you love to do, you never work a day in your life. And 100%. that's really what hospitality is for me. And I think my mom didn't talk to me for about three months because she wanted a daughter who was a lawyer. And also, she knew from my dad's schedule, you know, what kind of a life it is to work in hospitality, right. because it is a 24-7 business. Yep. And she spent many an anniversary or a birthday sitting at a table at a restaurant by herself with a glass of wine while my dad was fixing broken pipes or electrical that had right. gone out and up at two o'clock in the morning to to address emergencies. So she also understood what that was going to mean for me. But 
you know, I, I think now that she looks back after 35 plus years, she's, she understands the journey and she's, um, you know, she, she appreciates, appreciates all of the hard work, uh, that has gone Incredible. into the journey. So, and yeah, I, so yeah, I, have, I have a exciting. question. So jumping to places like the Aria, I mean, the, mm-hmm. you know, the type of service that goes on at these properties is legendary. It's, there's nothing, there's nothing better than five diamond. And so like, what does, I know this is like a loaded question, but what does it take to create a five diamond property? Cause Aria is relatively new, but what are mm-hmm. those service standards like to, what do you have to go through to become five diamond? Like what, what does that mean? Uh, Five Diamond or Five Star, which is is both the Forbes and the, and the AAA um, ratings, um, are are not easy to obtain, and they're not easy to obtain in a hotel that's 200 rooms, uh, regardless of whether you're a, a property like Aria at 4,004 rooms. I mean, that's really super challenging. It's massive. And I mean, it's a it's it a is. city. Yeah, and city center. It, yes. Yes. <laughs> it truly takes all of the employees, the leadership, everyone to be on the same page with the same ideals about how we want to treat the guests and how we take care of service and how to be proactive in service so that our guests don't have to do all the thinking. It's about being anticipatory. Um, whenever our guests are booking dinner, we always suggest transportation or let them know how much time they need to book in order to get from point A to point B. Um, because the guests, we want to make the guest journey a seamless one. And there's a lot of effort that goes into it. And a property like Aria, uh, you know, it does take everyone to be on the same page and everybody to really buy into that culture of really wanting to make the guest experience the best that it can be. Mm-hmm. We came from a other hotel, not not an MGM Resorts property, but when we used to play, we used to play at another property, and the service we would get, we thought was the greatest. And then when you stay at an Aria, it it's it's like it's like um, Holiday Inn versus the Four Seasons. It's it's incomparable. And when you're at Aria, you feel that it's like yours, that you feel that it's like your hotel, that you feel that. The people there just want you to feel comfortable that we're not to say this in like a a trashy way, but you could take off your shoes and make it your home. That's what the Aria feels like to me when I stay there, that it's 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 yours. It's it's your piece of the casino. It's your hotel room. It it, it doesn't feel like you're in um, in a hotel at all. You know, I really loved my time at Aria and uh, part of the charm or that service delivery is making the guest feel like we know you and that when you come yes, back, exactly. it's like coming home. And that's yes. not easy to do in such a large property um, that's 4,004 rooms again. So, I mean, um, what was what was that secret sauce? Like, how, how did you, you know, God knows how many thousands of people are staying there a day or, you know, because there's two people to a room so that, you know, could possibly be eight or 9,000 guests a day in that place. Plus who's ever visiting. How do you make those people, how do you make one of those people feel special when there's so many other? It's about ownership. If something comes your way, you own it and you own it, not just to pass it on to someone else and not to know if the task or the request has been followed through, but you follow through yourself to make sure that the guest knows that they're taken care of and that there is almost like a safety net. And then when repeat guests come back, they get to know and make relationships with the team. And, uh, and that is where you build. And it's about building relationships. And often I've said, 
that there's so many beautiful properties on the Las Vegas Strip, but it's actually the people, it's the the team members that are at those properties that make the experience so special for the guests. 100%. Eric, you jumped ahead because that was, I was, we were going to ask that I was, again. I was, I was dying to ask, like, um, you know, just because, like, you know, as we're in the service business, we're in the luxury ground transportation business, and we, we always take our cues from our clients. And, um, you know, when we had the opportunity to work for, for the ARIA, um, we knew we couldn't disappoint and we had to give that same type of service. So mm-hmm. assigning the same chauffeurs that know the same guests over and over again is, um, that was the whole part of the of the game plan to because we were an extension of 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 your service 100 percent. we're five years yeah go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say that's absolutely right and you know we can't do it all ourselves we don't have enough limos in order to take care of every guest arriving to the hotel so it is imperative that when we are selecting vendors that we select the very best we can't have a luxury guest get into a vehicle that is in disrepair or air conditioning isn't working 100%. Or the vehicle's not clean, or the the chauffeur is not using the same style of standards. And I know when we first spoke, when I was at Aria, those were things that were really important in order to be able to maintain the experience. Because the experience doesn't happen when the guest hits the door. It happens when before the guest is even coming to stay with us. It's the experience on the website. It's the experience making the reservation. It is the chauffeur picking the guest up at the airport that's yep. polished that really is a reflection of the company. And so partnering with any partners, it's really important um, that the service is seamless all the way through the experience. And, you know, I, in all the years that we've worked together, I've always been very pleased um, with our partnership um, and you, the service Thank provided. You. Thank you. So Thank you. just for the for the record, Eric, we can stop the podcast there. By the way, <laughs> we got the endorsement. BLS got the endorsement. Done. We're done. We're signing off. Log, like, subscribe, leave comments. No, uh, no. no. So you made me lose my. I just want to know. Hold, no, no, no. So oh, no, I didn't lose my. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on right, one second. Right, so right, just right, for right. the just for the record, what what did you do with the aria? Because we didn't um, we didn't cover that. My- of course, um, you know, and we didn't even cover how I got to Aria. That's what I wanted. Yeah. We'll go back to that. How did you go from small town Canadian girl to mm-hmm. to running Vegas, running Vegas, running the Aria in Vegas? How did you take us through that? Tell our audience, like, how is that even possible? You know, that's a very interesting story. When I was working at the resort down the road from my house, Canadian Pacific Hotels um, took it over at one point. And Canadian Pacific Hotels is the parent company for Fairmont Hotels and Resorts, which is part of the Accor family now. Um, And uh, I opened up the Fairmont Vancouver Airport, which was the first luxury property um, at an international airport or inside an airport. And that was in 1999. And... uh, you know, it uh, Fairmont was my family for 15 years, and uh, you know, I really enjoyed my time. And I have many friends that are like family that are still with Fairmont uh, at this time. But I did have the opportunity in 2004 to transfer to the Fairmont Scottsdale Princess in in Scottsdale, Arizona, which, if you haven't been, is an amazing property that is really uh, it's linked up to a TPC golf course in Scottsdale. Yep. It has a lagoon, lots of uh, pools, and now I'm selling Scottsdale, but uh, I really enjoyed my time there, too. I was there for over six years, Wow! and a wonderful resort experience, and I probably wouldn't have left there. Um, however, I needed to make the next step in my career, and 
I was contacted on LinkedIn, actually. I was headhunted on LinkedIn about six months after ARIA opened uh, to come to work in Vegas. And I always thought, you know, I don't think I would ever want to work in Vegas. It just seems so chaotic and not professional and not the corporate luxury experience that I've, I've always had. Um, but when I came up to see the property, I was in awe with the beauty and the commitment to sustainability as Aria was the largest green building at the time, a complex at 19 million square feet when it, when it was built in, in 2009. Yep. And it, it was very much in alignment with um, my own moral compass. And I immediately um, found an affinity for that property, for the leadership team that was there at the time and the desire to provide a luxury experience. So something completely different for Las Vegas. It wasn't themed. Uh, it was art, architecture and design yep. and sustainability. So really something that I thought was a great fit. And I was there for eight years as the executive director of hotel operations, overseeing wow. upwards of 21 departments at wow. entertainment, wedding chapel, mini bar and all the hotel departments as well. And then I had the opportunity. You you froze just for a second. You you froze for just a second. You're good. I'm good now? Yeah, yeah, you froze for a minute. I know. It's a way for you to tell me, okay, you need to stop talking. No, no, no. No, no, no. This is all all amazing. This is gold. This is gold for us. Okay. So, well, my next step was actually to take a vice president of hotel operations position at Mandalay Bay. And uh, that was such a wonderful opportunity for me as well to work with Chuck Bowling, who I feel is one of the top professionals 100%. in the industry and just so committed to um, the uh, the employees and in, in his employee and the guest experience. And I really enjoyed my year there. Um, however, the company went through um, a restructure in 2019. And my prior boss at Aria um, retired and um, the leader at Badara as well. And I had the opportunity to return to Aria and Badara as the vice president of hotel operations. So I was there up until the beginning of May when I was affected, unfortunately, with COVID and um, our company, again, had to undergo uh, a restructure in order right. to be able to manage through this crisis. And, you know, I um, I only have good things to say good. about my time with MGM Resorts. I have many friends there. Um, I have team members that I still keep in contact with. And, you know, I really have found this transition to be one of refocus for me and um, really to look at my priorities for my own personal life. Mm-hmm. And it's led me to some new opportunities that I, I truly didn't see coming. And, and it's mm-hmm. been exciting. That's so, amazing. so what do you do in, in, in an association role now? What, what's involved there? Well, I feel very honored that the Nevada Hotel and Lodging Association reached out to me. Um, I was a board member for over six years on the executive board of directors for the Nevada Hotel and Lodging Association. So big advocate, very involved. Uh, also is on the founding council as the vice chair of women in lodging. So Amazing. the role of the association is really to give back and to give support to hoteliers and vendors that are involved in um, Nevada, not just Las Vegas, but Reno and all of Nevada um, mm-hmm. to be able to support and to provide educational opportunities, mentorship and abilities for people to network. And you might think, oh, 
in this time, how can we still network when we can't gather in groups? Um, right. But the Nevada Hotel and Lodging Association has done just an amazing job of keeping people connected virtually through webinars, podcasts like these, yeah. um, and then also um, social media and newsletters and those kind of things. Um, because there was a lot of people at home and doing meetings at home. And, and this was really the way to connect and to keep everyone together. But mm-hmm. back again to my current role, I was asked to be the um, chair of the Nevada Hotel and Lodging Association Foundation, which is the educational foundation that was formed in order to be able to provide opportunities for students coming up in the hospitality. So this leads me to my next next question. Mm -hmm. What would you tell somebody who wants to be in hospitality? Starting out. Starting out, you know, what would you tell them to do? What would you tell them to, if you know, if they say, you know, my dream is to always to go and work in Vegas and I want to be an executive or I want to be in operations or a concierge, Mm -hmm. you know, what is it that you would tell a young person or a person who's looking to change career? um, What what can they do to get into hospitality? I would say that prior to COVID, I would say get yourself a mentor, get yourself a, a job. Um, start working in the industry. Um, you know, really a mentor provides you with someone who has more experience that can help to guide you, who will not be judgmental, that you can take issues that you're having in the workplace to them to help to talk through them, to find solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, continue um, to attend social networking events so that you can meet people because meeting people in the industry is That's critical it. as well. Yep. They tell you that 85% of new opportunities that you get are through people that you know already. Especially um, in Vegas. They understand especially in Vegas. It's, it's all about who you know. Especially in Las Vegas. It, oh, yeah. it truly is. Um, and your reputation is critical and in, in having integrity and in, in operating to, um, you know, the best interests of the company, the employees, and the guests. That's incredible. How do you feel? You know, Eric and I joined social media. And when I say social media, LinkedIn. And Mm -hmm. you were the first person to pop up on my feed. You have been sharing and liking and writing articles. How has social media impacted you? Why did you do, why LinkedIn? She she got through the, she got, in it like right, her I know. job on through Aria on LinkedIn. That, that like I didn't know that, and that's that's amazing because we're so bullish on LinkedIn. Yeah, Eric mm-hmm. and I put our entire we we no pun intended we put all of our chips on LinkedIn, right? And it's been a boom to our business. Mm-hmm. The the networking you know, that we've yeah go ahead go ahead. I was just gonna say that LinkedIn was kind of an accident for me when I was in Scottsdale. Right. Um, social media was just coming up. I had a Facebook account. I had vendors that were trying to link into my Facebook and I didn't really feel comfortable because I really try to keep my Facebook as more of a family and friends. Right. Um, and so I found out about LinkedIn. So I made an account on LinkedIn and I thought, well, this way I won't offend my vendors and I can put them on my LinkedIn account. Right. And keep them separate from from my Facebook account. And, and when I'm talking to up and comers and going back to that question, social media is one of those topics that I'll talk to them about as well, about maintaining a professional network, because um, when you're looking for a job, people don't just look at your resume and they just don't call your references. They'll look you up online and see how are you active? What kind of things are you saying? Would you represent the company in, in a positive and professional way? Right. And uh, LinkedIn really became 
much more than just a vendor communication tool for me, especially after I was recruited um, and when I wasn't even looking for a job. And it turned into such amazing opportunity for me in Las Vegas. Right. Right. I, the, the stuff that you post, it's always promoting the city of Las Vegas and Las mm -hmm. Vegas needs that now more than ever. Um, mm -hmm. What happened to the city was uh, to the whole world, obviously. I mean, Vegas, especially because it's mm -hmm. purely hospitality. Um, what do you see? What do you think is going to happen in the age of COVID to Las Vegas? Where do you see the city? Where is it headed? Well, you know, I had an article that came out this morning. I'm not sure if you read it at all. It was really about safety and security. We've been and on conference calls. We've been on, <laughs> I haven't checked my phone today. We've been on conference calls at 7 a.m. Well, check out LinkedIn later. But, I, you know, it's really, it's really about safety and security of not only our guests who are coming because we have to rebuild the trust in the city and with our guests, but also our employees. If we want our employees to be working in the environment that we have them in on the front lines, we need to make sure that they feel safe and we need to do everything that we can in order to make them safe. And most recently, I started working with a, a, a vendor called Volan Technology, and uh, they've got an amazing uh, employee uh, safety device that also has COVID tracking capabilities, which wow. really got me excited about it. And, you know, Explain that. What passionate. Is, how, how does that work? Well, you know, they, it's a BLE mesh web, and I'm not the technical person, but basically it can tell interactions between employees, how long they interacted, how frequent, and what their proximity was. Wow. So if you do have a COVID-positive individual, the system actually can take you back two weeks to be able to see who that person interacted with and for how long and puts a list together of really wow. the most highly affected people, which right now... Tracing is happening all manually. And when you find someone who is positive, there's an interview or they're like, okay, so in the last two weeks, how many people have you been with for more than 15 minutes? How are our memories two weeks past, especially when we're going through a medical situation like this? There's gaps and, and you're 100%. not going to be 100% uh, be able to remember every situation that you were in. This allows a company to be able to dig right in to be able to understand in minutes who was interacted with, how long, and what the risk level is, and then be able oh to contact God. them much more quickly. So it, it's technology that is, I haven't seen before. And I've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years looking at safety devices because it's something that the Culinary Union in Las Vegas has written into many of the agreements. And so the hotels have been really, really um, fastidious about making sure that we're following the guidelines. Uh, in order to be able to provide safety devices for housekeeping attendants, bellmen, spa attendants that go to guest rooms, any employee that's working in a remote area so that they can call for help. Some of those devices are a push button alarm system, which is an audible. So only if there's someone working in the area and they hear it, will someone reply to. This mm -hmm. is a AI, a geolocation system that when it's it actually tells you what kind of an emergency it is, where exactly down to four feet from the individual are they located how in. How do they do that on the different floors? Um, you know, it's because of how they're geotracked with beacons. Amazing. It actually locates them incredible. and then there's a little there's a little device that they push what kind of emergency. But even if they find a guest in the room that's having a medical emergency, that's something that can be communicated right away and security wow. would know what so kind of what so I know I got really excited when I saw this technology. I think it'll be really beneficial for, so how for do, the work environment. How do they how do, how are they gonna handle um kind of tracking guests? 
when, well, when, when, you when know, they're in the casino and i mean i guess you can track you know people who were staying in the hotel but how do you track like the transient crowd well and i think that tracking guests is something that you know is you would have to have buy-in Permission. from the guests that are coming right. and again a lot of the guests who may be um covid positive may not be exhibiting symptoms they may not even realize that they're sick however if an employee becomes sick then it's how can we protect our employee base and be able to make sure that you can minimize the impact um, to other employees and to guests? It's amazing. That's incredible. And and this so is a service. Yeah. Are you <laughs> selling this to the other casinos? Like, are they, is this something that they want to buy? Is it, do you think it's going to be like the new normal at the casinos? What I would say is that the casinos um, for their employees, especially the remote employees, have to put some kind of a system in place in order for employees um, to comply with, especially if they're within the union environment, with, with the regulations that are written into the contract and for the state. However, to have an extra layer on top of it that actually will help you to be able to track any instances of COVID is something that uh, is super beneficial. Right. And uh, so I look forward to it. And, you know, we there's a lot of interest in the city for this and outside of the city. Las Vegas isn't the only city that has requirements for employee safety devices. Atlantic City is another area um, yeah. that is in Chicago and Washington, California. So uh, and, and again, it's not just about hotels. It's any industry that wants to be able to safeguard their employees. It's really important. So that was one of the technologies I started working with just recently. Another yeah. one that, I don't know, go ahead. Eric. No, 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 go, 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 no please. Go for it. please. You're on fire. This is unbelievable. <laughs> well, and, and another area because of occupancy that's really important is really driving revenue. Um, so it's just like if someone books a sedan from you or a limousine, there might be different prices and you always want to try to maximize that experience. Um, when guests are checking into the hotel, often they get an option to do an early check-in for an additional amount of revenue or a late check-out in order to extend their stay for revenue and to be able to do an upgrade to a suite, for example. So I'm also working with a company called Roomdex, which is just launching. Uh, it is a revenue maximization tool. And uh, the a gentleman, uh, one of the founders um, I've worked with in the past, uh, through mobile check-in um, when I was at Aria and uh, very smart. Uh, and uh, I really see that as an automatic tool for forecasting and to be able to drive revenue for hotels too, which will be very important if occupancy isn't there to be able to drive ancillary revenues to the properties. So very excited about both companies. That's incredible. And again, I wouldn't have had this opportunity to work with them. Uh, and to continue to grow and learn if it if it hadn't have been for COVID, which is really uh, an interesting shift. Well, there's definitely there's a silver lining with everything, and um, mm-hmm. you know you certainly set yourself up for success, leading to, you know, a COVID world. So that's, that's Shen. Amazing. What was what was the what was the hardest uh, task at the Aria? What was like the task that was just. Um, you, you couldn't get ahead with it. It was too hard or was it, you know, I mean, the guest satisfaction rate, I think was, I think was amazing. Right. But like, what was the hardest thing to, um, to do there? The hardest job? I think it's 
always really important to keep the team on the same page and to make sure that they're they're engaged every single day that they come in. And mm -hmm. I often say that working in a luxury environment and an environment where you're taking care of the guests, it's like being an actor on a stage. When you come in, it, it's, it's not about, you know, the flat tire that you had on the way to work or that your feet hurt today. And the mm -hmm. guest doesn't need to see any of that. So for me, I would say the continual engagement um, to keep the team motivated. Um, not that they didn't want to be, but everybody's human and it's of easy course. to kind of have an off day. Um, but really maintaining that experience for the guests is something that the job is never done. It's always ongoing. Uh, there's always tweaks. There's always reminders. And then I would say communication, because when you have such a large team, making sure everybody's on the same page is critical. Mm -hmm. What type of tool did want... you use for that? You know, it's interesting that you ask that. There's there's some really great tools in the market. Um, for um, when I was with MGM Resorts, we used a, a communication tool called Social Chorus, and um, Social Chorus um, we renamed it as Leo, and it was kind of like Facebook but for work, and we could actually send out communications. There's another company that I've I've seen before as well, which is fantastic, which is called Beekeeper. So not sure if you're aware of that. Eric, write these down. Eric, yeah, yeah, Eric write these down, please. <laughs> she's, she's giving us like gold mines here, please. Yeah, but we're it's, it's a way to be able it. to take um, photos and upload things, even videos if you have something going on or if you're recognizing someone for an achievement. You could share it with everyone in, in the corporation. You could share it just with the property. You could share it just at corporate offices. Um, you know, things like, you know, the Knights being in, in the playoffs and, and different teams would actually like dress up their offices. And it's a way to really keep everybody motivated and, and positive. But also things um, like maybe there's an accident on Las Vegas Boulevard and it's outside of the employee entrance. And we could actually send a note out to people that were working or anyone that was on the system to say, hey, look, this route is closed. Please, you know, come in through another entrance. Um, or the weather's changed and a function that was at the pool is now in the convention space. Mm -hmm. All of those different kinds of things we could communicate. And were how you, many how yeah, many employees were, were at the ARIA? Uh, you know, it varies based on season, but at city center, about 10,000 employees, oh plus or minus. God. So it's a large. And then when you look at our the MGM Resorts company is over 69 thousand if not more depending if you're looking international and our regional so very large companies the communication is extremely important and i think that mgm resorts did a great job at that i can see why that would be the number one challenge mm -hmm. getting everyone on the same page getting getting everybody mm -hmm. on the same page is you know at our company is a challenge i could only imagine you know having ten thousand people to and that are sixty nine thousand or seventy thousand people to to contend with that's that's mind-boggling i'm really happy she didn't say the limo service was the most challenging part of our time at aria because you know maybe the person before us but like you know bls no we've five years at aria everything's been you know a-okay but like yeah that was uh I, sh I was like oh maybe i shouldn't ask this as i just said that what was the most challenging thing you know, the I limo know, service the worst I know, my bro I know my brother and i know he hesitated towards the end of the question like uh maybe i should just not finish this i'm like you know what whatever so it is what it is but... <laughs> so no uh, no compare mandalay to aria like how was mandalay bay versus Aria? because we love mandalay bay we actually mm -hmm. lived about five miles from mandalay bay not like that's even farther from aria but when we had a house in vegas we um 
you know, we were always Mandalay, Mandalay was you know, our the, favorite. We love the, cho- the chauffeur driven show is always at Mandalay Bay too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. You know what I love about Mandalay Bay is that uh, there's so much going on all the time. I mean, you yeah, could have a basketball game going on in the arena or you've got the shark reef for the kids and you've got a 2.1 million square feet of meeting space. And sometimes yep. you've got volleyball tournaments going on over there. Amazing. And then there's a band, you know, in the center by the casino. And then there's DJs and some of the bars at the restaurants, uh, in the shops at Mandalay Bay, that's an added component Amazing. to a little shopping area. Um, you know, there's, there's just so much going on there at all times, you know, the house of blues, uh, yep. <laughs> it goes yep. on and on. And I um, and I think that's what I love the most about Mandalay Bay was just the variety of things going on. It wasn't just convention space. Then having the three brands, having Delano, Las Vegas right. there and the four seasons, right. um, it, it felt like its own city on its own as well. And there was, you know, there was a lot of, uh, cross usage and, and the ability to be able to intermingle. And then don't even get me started about the pool. That pool's got to be the best pool in Las Vegas with that the Lake River and the yeah. wave pool. 100%. I mean, there really, there really isn't such an enormous, um, experience um and right. and they really focus on it it's it's a priority for them and the team the team as well is super proud of the property and very tight-knit yeah. and it was like being part of a family and it was a place where you felt like you belonged right when you started i mean everybody was so warm and friendly so i loved my experience at mandalay bay i loved the leadership team there the employees I still keep in contact with many of them. It's so it's been such a pleasure um, to have those experiences. It's amazing. Uh, we have, a, yeah, we have, we have I, good I, friends at Aria and Mandalay, but go ahead, Eric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like the way it's structured at MGM resorts, is it like, um, is each resort run independently with a cohesive theme? Cause like, you know, I excuse the um, comparison, but like, you know, my kids go to a school district and there's 10 schools in the school district, but each principal does their own thing at each school. Is that what it's like at each property in Las Vegas? Or Yeah. Or is there like kind of like one rule book for all the properties? Um, that's an interesting question because I, I do feel like we were striving to have consistency across the properties, especially because the the company came from different backgrounds. There was sure. the Mandalay Bay group, there was the MGM group, there was yep. the Mirage group. And when I started, it was just going from MGM Mirage to MGM Resorts International. Right. So integration into the culture and making sure that things were being run consistently across the properties. That being said, each property has its own identity, its own personality. You think of New York, New York with that city and New York City atmosphere. It's completely different than than you would see at a Bellagio, which is really, you know, so elegant. And and you've got the conservatory and the art gallery. And so each property has its own personality. But within that, there was really, truly a goal to make the back of house operations very seamless. So if I was going to move like I did from Aria to Mandalay Bay, it wouldn't be a big culture shock because many of the values are, or all of the values are the same. The language is the same. However, the offerings are very different and the personality of the properties are different. What do you do with an angry guest? I mean, we know what we do, right? We're in the service Mm -hmm. industry, but what do you do with a guest who's inconsolable? Who, inconsolable. How do you fix that? Yeah. How do you fix that? 
Well, you have to give that guest your time and you have to listen to what their concern is. And and whether it was um, misconstrued, et cetera, there's no excuses. I mean, we're responsible for our guest experience and to be able to um, find a solution for it. And and if you don't do that, you lose guests forever. You can turn an angry guest into your best advocate if you take care of the situation and they will come back year after year after year to Mm -hmm. see you. And I've done that many times. And uh, it's just really important to take care of your guests and to listen to their concerns. Also, it's a great way to see trending. So is this the only guest that's having this issue? Or have I heard this before? And that's why monitoring social media sites like uh, TripAdvisor and online reviews are so important. Because our guests can see our product in a different way than we see our product. So it's extremely important for us to be able to listen so that we can learn about our business from a different perspective. It's amazing. I mean, these are, Eric, these are like nugget. We should be like writing all this down. We're recording it, Michael. I we're know. Like, it. We're going to go back and we're going to study it. <laughs> this so, is the new, so leadership the new style. training. Yeah, Le- leadership style, yes. Le- leadership style. You managed 21 departments, you said. Mm-hmm. How do you manage 21 departments? What's your leadership style? Do you, did you sleep? I, do, do you deal you, with an iron sleep? fist? Like, did you, you know, like... What what is what is your leadership style? Because like you know, Michael and I have our own on on how we do our stuff. What what? How did you manage that scope of of work? I think it's really important when you have a role like that that you have an excellent leadership team that that you're working with um, because it's not me making it happen. It is the leadership team of every single department that has their own team of people that they need to train and support and listen to. And uh, you really fix things within their areas. And then if there's issues that you need to deal with, then it gets bubbled up and you're part of that solution. So I think um, making sure that each leader takes uh, ownership of their department, support them with solution making. Um, a, a lot of times the solution doesn't come from me. It comes from one of my my team members mm-hmm. because when they're, directly connected to a situation, they see it much clearer than someone who's many steps away from that. Um, But you can't manage in a property as enormous as one of the Las Vegas properties without having just a stellar team of people who are Mm -hmm. excellent at what they do. So selecting the right people for the right job and then supporting them and making sure they have the tools to do the job and the support um, to be able to deliver the final end result to the guests. Right. Did you, that, um, like a serious question? Did you sleep? I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, our business is twenty four hours, and yes. I can't say I Same. wouldn't get calls at two o'clock in the morning, and and my husband will be like, "Turn your radio off on your phone." That's <laughs> two o'clock. Like, that's two I, o'clock I in the afternoon. Yeah, I can't yeah. do that because I may have to get up, get dressed, and go to work, depending on on what's going on. Which has been kind of a nice shift that I'm kind of making my own schedule now, and. Mm-hmm. I can work at my house and the commute is fantastic. And <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been a lot different. So it has been a nice refocus for me from a balanced life perspective. And, right. and my, my, my view on balance of life, and I always get asked about balance of life. So I'm sure there's a question that Eric has for me on this is, is 100%. really the balance of life is different for each person. And what's balance of life for me is different than someone who maybe is a single parent with children. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're taking care of a parent in their house. And again, uh, I love what I do. I love the hospitality industry. I love employees that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's not work. 
So for me to communicate with people about what they're doing, what their aspirations are on my own time has never been an issue for me. Uh, even dealing with issues um, to resolve at, at positions that I've had at the properties, never an issue for me because I, I look at it with an open mind and I welcome the challenge because I think you learn something new through every experience that you go through that you haven't had to, to, to work through before. And they become like tools in a tool belt that you kind of attach to your hip and you kind of have new tools to kind of work through the next situation that comes up. So it's, uh, to me, it's, I don't, I don't mind the hours. Um, but to me, it's about the support that you get and, and the encouragement and um, that everybody is working together on the same team with the same goals. Mm -hmm. That's what's really critical for me. Michael and I have, I mean, I don't know about Michael, but I know I've always dreamed of a life where I was a barber and I went in and I closed the shop up at five o'clock and, you know, and like, that was it. But like, you know, I not, couldn't, not with BLS, not with not BLS. With BLS. I, I couldn't imagine mm -hmm. life not being 24 seven. So I commend you for doing what you're doing right now, because I, I mean, I would be like, you know, like, what, like, like, there, like there, there's always action. There's always a fire to put out. There's always somebody complaining. Somebody quit. You know, the, there's a ride, uh, an ASAP in, in Duluth. You know, let, let, let's go and let's go and try and get it covered. You know, there's always so much action going on. So, yeah, I think work-life balance is what you make of it. And especially now with with a cell phone, you know, it's 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 you, I can run my entire business for my cell phone. I do the editing on this podcast for my cell phone. Like it's not like if you just think outside the box a little bit, yeah, you can go out to dinner and you know, you, you, you text message and like, that's it. But like, yeah, work-life balance is what you make of it. I got to tell you, Shannon, I got to tell you, you, you're one of the most interesting people we've had on this podcast, not to diminish uh -huh. anyone else. No, we, we mean that, but like your brand, the Shannon McCallum brand you would do so well, I think, just my opinion, to have your own podcast. The amount of people you know. I think you have like 16,000 followers on LinkedIn or something. I think I saw that for like a second. You would – you could be the voice of an industry. Oh. I mean you technically are. I mean I don't see anyone doing on LinkedIn what you're doing for the city of Las Vegas. And – I would I would recommend you highly. You 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 have the personality, you have the experience, you have I mean you could probably outwork Eric and I, you know. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, it's the no, seriously. I mean I couldn't I could never have run the aria. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. When when there's an issue, I lose sleep. I I can't I freak out. I have a hard time separating myself from the issue. It, I've been better with it, but when I feel that, you know, an RFP is coming up, oh my God, we're going to lose it. Like, you know, I automatically feel they're going to RFP because we're not good enough for them or you really, you got something special here. And you can, yeah. And like, just as for instance, like, go ahead, Eric, this, go ahead. Pot, this, what we're using the stream yard, there's zero editing involved after the fact. So all you have to do is upload your logos and like, you see like the logo in the upper right corner and like, Oaken Bros, right here. Yeah, like that's um, that's all the editing that's involved. So I'm gonna click M broadcast. And I'm gonna download it, and then I upload it straight to YouTube. Your experiences and have that's to be told to the world. I mean, everyone on LinkedIn would and be. And you must to have it. access to such amazingly interesting people in hospitality. Hundred oh, percent. Well, I think that. Yeah. I, I, what I was going to say is it's it's all about relationships. And you talk yes. about losing sleep when your RFP comes up. If you put effort into your relationship with people and you deliver upon your promise, then you shouldn't lose sleep. 
um, because that is yes. what it's all about. That should, and, be, and, that should be the title of this podcast, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> but Words when of you wisdom talk about, with Shannon. When you talk about um, LinkedIn numbers and, you know, our industry is such a small industry and I still bump into people. People come and stay. When I was at Aria, people would come and stay and not know I was there and see a letter in the room with my name on it and be like, there can only be one Shannon McCallum. And they would like call the front desk and the front desk would be like, I'm sorry, you need an appointment. But oh yeah, but what's really funny is that our world is, is really tied in together. And it's about building those relationships. And then through that, you know, you expand your network and people understand what you're talking about. And, and again, it's really important. The city is really important to me. And that's why I'm taking Same. this time to give back with the Nevada Hotel and Lodging Association and the foundation, because that's something that means something to me. And I think it will help our, our business through this challenging time. And, and if I'm going to have this time where I can choose what I'm going to do, I want to do something worthwhile and, um, and really to be able to help build businesses and not just hotels or, or vendors of hotels, but people that are coming into the industry that have just graduated and we're supposed to do an internship and it's been canceled. How do you support those people? That's all really important to me. That's amazing. That's amazing. Do you think you're going to stay in Las Vegas for the rest of your life or do you think you're going to move to another big hotel city? Um, that's, that's really a good question. Um, you know, I, for me personally, I think, where do you go after Las Vegas? I love Las Vegas and Hawaii. Yeah. So it, it would be that my goal nice. to stay in Las yeah. Vegas. However, if, if with COVID there's really not the opportunity because the right. city takes too long to recover, I may need to look at relocation and, and I'm right. open to that when the time is right. But right now I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm enjoying spending my time with, with these two uh, technology startup companies, which I think both have immense value. In addition, again, the Nevada Hotel and Lodging Association is, there's not a better association within the city. And Diane Gandy, who's the president, is an amazing woman that commits her life to the industry. And I just enjoy working with her so much. And we appreciate you inviting BLS uh, to be a part of it. Eric, I, and mom are going to be uh, uh, really considering it in the next few months. Mm -hmm. Once we kind of, the, the trajectory keeps going the way it's going, we're mm -hmm. in. It's not even a question. Mm -hmm. um, I, what about New York City? Do you? I got to tell you something. A good friend of mine uh, told me, he says, once you work in Vegas, and really, I've always said this, If the saying goes, if you make it in New York, you can make it anywhere, which is the truth. Mm -hmm. But I want to change that. If you can make it in Vegas, you can make it anywhere. What my friend told me, he worked... Um, uh, he worked at Flamingo, he worked at Imperial Palace, then he ran the Riviera, then he ran the Westgate, and then he's now running the Westgate in Park City. Um, he said any property outside of Las Vegas, once they find out that you had the experience of running a resort in Las Vegas, he told me you can write your ticket. Could you see yourself in a Four Seasons in New York? Could you see yourself in a Mandarin Oriental in Miami? Can you see yourself in one of those big places but not in Las Vegas? Well, being that the majority of my career was outside of Las Vegas, I can absolutely see myself in hotels in the future again. Right. Um, however, you know, at this juncture in my career, location is really important to me. And, and my right. parents are still in Canada. All of my family, other than my husband gotcha. and his family, are in Canada. Wow. And they're on the West Coast. So I would prefer to stay West Coast. 
um, gotcha. whether that be in the United States or in Canada, so that I can be within a short plane ride from, from where I need to be if my family needs me. So, but um, absolutely, I loved working in hotels out of, outside of Las Vegas, but I have to say to you, the excitement that you feel when you walk through a Las Vegas property and the noises and the people cheering because they're at the craps table and they just won some money or the roulette table and there's nothing like that energy and that noise. And sometimes when 100%. I'd be working in my office and focused on something and I really needed to get re-energized, I would walk through the property. I would listen to the guests. I would talk to the employees, engaging with employees, you know, is something that was really energizing for me because they, they put all of their heart and their effort into taking care of the guests. And it's just amazing the things that they do in order to take care of the guests to make sure that they feel comfortable and that they feel like we want them to be there. So, you know, I, that is what I appreciate uh, mostly about the, the Las Vegas properties. And I think it would be very difficult to leave Las Vegas, but again, not impossible because the experience at, at a luxury property outside of the city is equally as engaging, just doesn't have that same dimension of, of I get the, it. You know, that's, what I wanted to ask, that's what I wanted to ask. Is there a difference, but is there like Las Vegas hospitality and then there's everywhere else? Or like casino hospitality, is there well, a difference? I'm gonna answer in this. That in- I'm gonna answer this. There, Vegas spoils you, and our mother told us that because there was a point where we were, you know, listen, we were, um, our parents were gamblers, and I'll give you a real brief history. Um, when we were growing up, Eric and I were pulled out of school on the last day, and my when my parents were building, oh, when our parents were building BLS, we would fly to Los Angeles, and my parents. Um, we're not big fans of LA. Eric and I loved LA, but come Thursday or Friday when LA kind of shut down for the weekend, um, my dad, my mom, Eric and me, we get in a car. I was eight years old. Eric was three and we were always every weekend we were driving to Las Vegas and we did that year after year after year after year. We stayed at the Tropicana when it was the original Tropicana. We stayed at the Aladdin. We stayed at the Desert Inn uh, New Year's, 96 to 97. You know, Vegas was a really special place for us. And we were going there. There was a jag. We were there for like 10 years straight. We didn't go anywhere but like Vegas. And then we went to like another place. I don't remember where it was, but we went to like another destination. Oh, it was it was in Florida. No offense to Miami or anyone from Miami, but we went to Miami. It may have changed. We were, and it may have changed now, but like, you know, I was 18. Eric was, you know, 13. And we looked at each other. It's like we'd rather like we were going to movies every night. It was nothing to do. Like, all right, so we sat on the beach for three hours. The beach was great. And it was the Delano out of all places. And the Delano was we, – we looked like contestant winners. I mean, we were all so, like, overweight. And, like, we didn't look like we belonged in the Delano. But we stayed in the Delano. And there was nothing to do. And, like, my dad and my mom were like, I, like we got to go back to Vegas because that's our city. Vegas is for us. I, I'm answering this for you, Eric. No, there's nothing in the world like Vegas. Vegas is my absolute favorite city in the world. Well, and and not, Shannon's going to have a more Shannon's going to have more eloquent answers. So Shannon, <laughs> yes, can you not, please well, state, your, state your case? Service owner. Well, what I would say is I spent some time on the Standards Advisory Council for Forbes Travel Guide, which was another amazing experience, and I represented gaming globally for Forbes Travel Guide with another individual, and I think there was 24 people on the council. And the luxury standards, no matter where you are in the world, whether it's casino or non-casino, are very similar, i.e. the same, um, because it is that level of experience um, that you deliver to the guests, no matter what kind of a property that you have. 
So I, I would say from the lecture experience, are we able to do more or different things for a guest when they come to Vegas? Yes. I had a guest at Mandalay Bay that was a very high level guest in the company that would come and visit us all the time from California. And they had joked with me about, you know, because I said, is there anything else I can do to plan for your stay at Mandalay Bay? And they're like, oh, no, well, maybe a marching band. And 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 we're all laughing. And oh so they came two weeks later, and I had drummers in oh the VIP lounge to welcome oh them with a God. big banner. And they were over the moon. They're like, I can't believe that you did that. So do we have other tools in our tool belt that we can pull yeah. out in order to really wow a guest? Yes. Yes. And I, I got married say, I got I got married at the Bellagio and and mm-hmm. I got I had an Elvis at my wedding. Okay. Mm-hmm. So but yes, and the people still talk about my food at the Bellagio. They've never been to a wedding with the mm-hmm. food tasting like no it wasn't like filet mignon or you the know, salmon. There's always there's always a bait and switch with wedding food. When you go to the mm-hmm. tasting it's always delicious and then when you always go to the wedding you're like this isn't what the tasting was like. And mm-hmm. but that's not the case in Vegas. Someone told me recently the best duck I've ever had was at your wedding at the Bellagio, you know, like, and I got married. I'm going on 14 years, actually, mm-hmm. like in, in about three days, which is just crazy to think about. But um, do you gamble? Do you like, is, we're gamblers and it'd be very hard for me to work in a casino and not throw money on a craps table. And if the table's really hot, like, how did you, <laughs> do you gamble at all? Well, you know, I have to say I don't gamble. And um, with MGM okay. Resorts, when you're in a leadership role, you're not able to gamble at the properties. It's, oh, okay. it's not something you're allowed to do. So unless I would go to another property and put money in the machine, and, and to be honest with you, I spent so much time on the strip, it wasn't something that I wanted to do. If I went to a restaurant or to a show at another property, that is something that's more my thing. Um, but no, I, I I don't really gamble at all. Okay. And I think coming from outside of Las Vegas and outside of the country it just wasn't something that was um, available to us when I was growing up, um, okay. which is different than the two of you spending so much time in Vegas when you were younger. Well, everything changed when we opened the business. We mm-hmm. we loved being in Vegas as a tourist, and it was so much fun. The Cirque shows, the restaurants, some of the mm-hmm. best days of our lives have been in that city. And then when you open a business there, it's different. When you're off the strip, when you're working off the strip, when you're dealing with locals, it's a totally different feel. And you know, it's Eric and I laugh that we're kind of veterans of Vegas now. We've been there for 20 years. BLS has operated in Vegas, going on its 20 year anniversary, and that's amazing. Seeing the people to think about, right? I mean, I found Mm -hmm. uh, in the back of a limousine magazine. I was Oscar night 2002. And I was working, I was in, it was in our office in Queens. I was working with our uncle, who's our CFO. And I saw Las Vegas limousine service for sale. And I called my dad immediately. It said, Nev- it said Nevada limousine. Nevada service limousine for- service for sale. Yes. And um, I called my dad and I said, you know, dad, this might be it. We, we opened, we incorporated in 1998 because it was like on our vision board. Like we believe in the universe. Mm-hmm. We believe in like putting good things out there and getting good things in return mm-hmm. and asking the universe for things. And we, always want to open up an, uh, uh, a BLS Las Vegas. And and it turned out the person who owned uh, this limousine service was Chris Burtonshaw. He was the pilot for William Bennett, who was the CEO of Mandalay Bay Group. And he was done with it. And we went and we purchased this company. And it was a roller coaster ride. Still it still is. I mean, still is. We're, we're in a dip right now. I mean, it's, it, it's been, um, I got to tell you though, one of the biggest highlights of our life was when we were awarded 
the ARIA through you. And I know that you were the one that kind of had to do the final seal of approval through procurement and whatnot. But um, it was that was it was one of the happiest days of my dad's, my mom's, my brother and I life. No, no joke. Um, it was um, it was amazing. And, you know, I'm sorry you're not there anymore. And, um, you know, we, we miss you there. We really do. You know what? Life is a journey. And I do remember that time. And we had to come over and set up all your cars. And we had everybody come out and have a look at them to make sure that they were going to be up to standard. And yep. you really put a lot of work into that relationship. And Thank you. we still uh, do. We still yeah, do. And business will come back. And I think we have to be positive. We have patient. to be persistent. And we need to be patient. Those are my three P's, which I shared with Michael already positive, persistent, and um, patient. And um, we can't control the environment that we're in, but we can control how we maneuver through it. 100%. Since, since you're, you're the queen of Las Vegas, what are the best restaurants, your top five restaurants? If like you were recommending, so Eric and I are guests, right? And we oh, come, come to- come on, Michael. She's going to list the five to... restaurants at the Aria Mandalay Bay. Come on, it's like not even- <laughs> Seriously, I do, I'm I curious to know what, favorites. where do you go eat? Where, where's like a Friday night, oh, not during COVID, gosh. obviously, but like where's a place where you and your husband to go for a date night or you, you have children, right? You have kids? Um, I have stepchildren. Yes. I have two stepdaughters. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Where, where are you? Five restaurants in Vegas. You know, if my husband and I go out, we, um, we have favorites almost at every property, but I have to say Libertine Social at Mandalay Bay, the Sean McLean restaurant is one of my favorites. And Sean okay. McLean, of course, had restaurants at Aria as well, Sage and 550. So those are all his and he's super talented and we love the team and the food at Libertine Social. Catch at Aria is amazing. Um, if you love seafood, and yep. it's always a who's who in there. I think we sat down next to Mark Andre Fleury one night, and that was pretty exciting. Nice. And I had to hold my husband back so he didn't go and introduce himself. Nice. Um, uh, also, Cosmopolitan has some great restaurants too. Okay. Um, Beauty and Essex is great, and STK. Uh, you know, I went there quite recently um, when I stayed on Father's Day weekend. We thought we would venture out and see what the hotels were doing. And they've done a really good job of putting plexiglass up between the tables. And it's really inobtrusive, but it allows you to feel comfortable to dine at your restaurant. At Wynn, I would say Sinatra or Lakeside. The, the little Amen. show at Lakeside oh, yeah. is fun. And it always, even though I've seen it so many times, it always captures my interest. And, uh, yeah, I could go on and on. I mean, at Bellagio, I love Lago and, um, mm -hmm. you know, Julian Serrano is, is, uh, such a great chef and that's his restaurant there. And Michael Mina. And, gosh, steak. I, mean, I want to just mention. We're so lucky. Yeah, mm -hmm. No, in your city, I mean, it's New York, mm -hmm. LA, Boston, Miami in a three mile strip. It's, mm -hmm. it's the greatest restaurant city in the world. Oh, uh, I got to tell you. My, the top two meals of my life, of my life. One was at Craft Steak with my brother, Tom oh, Colicchio. Yeah. We, had, we had the mm -hmm. A6 Kobe. A5, I beef, think. Or, A5 yeah. or A6, whatever yeah, yeah. it was. It was the Kobe beef from Japan. It was the real deal Japanese Kobe beef tasting course. And my dad, my brother, and I went to see Evander Holyfield, I think, versus James Tony at Mandalay afterwards. That was the best meal I've ever had in my life. And the second best meal was recently, was it Jean George at the Aria? Oh, yeah, we Jean George is fantastic too. I, you know, that, that steak, and- That steak, that Eric and I was, had a tomahawk. It's, it's, the size of like a, it's, it's the size of an iMac Pro. It, it's, it's like 
It's like 27 <laughs> inches. It's it's just it's so massive. It's one of the best pieces. Oh, no offense God. to the vegans and vegetarians, but it was the best piece of meat I've ever had in my life. It was insane. And, and that Michael was recently. And I, Michael and I each got our own. We, yeah, yeah, and we love we love emeralds. We're big we're big emerald Lagasse fans. So like, you know, I'm more of like with 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 restaurants. I'm more of like a time and place type of guy, mm-hmm. and like emeralds, like late ninety late nineties, early two thousand. Fish house at MGM. The, the fish, fish house, house at MGM. MGM. Oh that, yeah. Like that whole time period when like Bam was like out, and like and then also like Del Frisco's, and just you know just mm-hmm. like that whole time period of just being a kid. All of our cousins were there and just having so much fun in Vegas with our family and um, Cirque you know, th- at then- Bellagio. Cirque right. at Bellagio. Just, I mean, we we talk. You, you got to do a podcast, may, Shannon. You got to do like may, the best places have, uh, in Vegas. We may have lost Shannon. Oh, Shannon, you there? We may have lost her at the one hour mark too. Look at that. Mm-hmm. With that, since we lost her, I guess we're gonna have to sign off. Yeah, I mean, we were pretty oh. much coming to an end. Oh anyway. wait, oh, there she is! Okay. Oh, there she is! Hey, I know. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> I want this. Everyone wants to stop the podcast. I was like, no, no. Um, so I mean, I can yeah, go can, on all day. We can go on and on about our. To eat we 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 have a love affair with Las Vegas. I mean, even the 100%. room service, and we used to stay at Harris for a long time, and the chicken fingers at Harris, and then you know, in you our know, parents, it, our parents had a room named after them at Harris. That's how much how that's how much we spent. Uh, it's not great. I mean, like, <laughs> it's not something we like to brag about, but, but like, it's our, so unique. Who else it, has yeah. that opportunity? And when you talk about restaurants, I always think that restaurants are like music, where you hear uh, a piece of music and you think about the time and the place that it reminds you of restaurants are like that too it hold they hold memories yes, and you think back every time you go back to a restaurant you've been to the memories of when you were there last and who you're with 100%. so i i really think that those experiences are so important and i think las vegas is so many opportunities to rediscover you can come to vegas five times a year and do something completely different, yes, 100%. different shows and dine in different restaurants and have equally an amazing experience and you don't even have to gamble no exactly. you, you don't you, you don't you have to, to the gamble pool. you can go to the spa you can walk the strip you can there's so many things to do you can go to the conservatory you can look at artwork i mean you can go to fremont street i mean there is so much to do uh, in the city and or go hiking at Red Rock Canyon. A lot of people think that Vegas is just about the strip. There's so much Bonnie else Springs. here in town. Bonnie Springs, uh, the Bonnie yeah. Springs Ranch. The, I don't know if you've been to the old, old, oh, the old town. Old Nevada. In Bonnie, old Nevada. You know what? I missed it because they sold it and I don't miss no. any longer. So I missed the opportunity to go. So there. what are they, what are they there. turning, what are they turning it into? I don't know what I I'm I think it went to a land developer, but I'm not quite sure what they're planning. Oh, that's to such a bummer. It was I an old, it was an old it was a gold it was a ghost town. And yeah. um, you know, you would go and take the old timey pictures where you're know, like, you know, holding the fake gun and stuff like that. Oh and man. Oh my god, I'm so annoyed. Sorry. No, Sorry. I, it is what it is. Yeah, I, no, I, had my, like I, had, I had my wedding at Bellagio, one of the best nights of my life. And then I Sharon and I, we had our honeymoon at Lake Las Vegas, at the Ritz Carlton oh, in Lake Las Vegas. Beautiful out there too. That was Lake Las Vegas was one of my favorite places in the world when it was mm-hmm. at its prime. I mean, the, when the recession hit in 0809, Sharon and I went back there and the lake was green. It was it was it was horrible. You know, I thought it, it wasn't what, what it was when we got married. But Vegas is uh, what I love about Vegas is it's always in a constant state of reinvention, and mm-hmm. just every decade there's a new resurgence in and 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 you guys are mm-hmm. always um, leading the way. 
You're with, seeing that right now, actually. I don't know whether you've been following the, all of the development at Resorts World. There's some really oh, yeah. exciting oh, technology yeah. that they're putting yep. into the sides of the building in order to be able to have a showcase and videos. And uh, I know it's Circa in um, downtown yeah. Las Vegas, that yep. gambling pool thing at the it's top. Stadium that pool. is going to be amazing. Yeah. And then um, although slightly delayed or, or slowed down, um, the Drew is, is still moving along. And was that stopped? Um, I heard that was stopped. Uh, you know, um, I don't know the details my, myself in um, it specifically, but from what I do see, I am seeing it on LinkedIn. They're still selling the property. So it does look like there is some movement during this COVID time. So we'll see how okay. that all turns out. But the city is still looking to create change. Yep. You're right. Lake Las Vegas during the recession, because I came here just after that, did die down. But then it was it had actually a resurgence yes. and it came back and the golf course opened and the yes. properties, some of them changed hands. But I stayed out there. Lovely experience. You don't even feel like you're near the strip at all. You feel like you're in a different state. I know. So there's just so much for the city and the state to the, offer the, here that the people don't too. even know about. Yeah. Yes. The golf is just, you know, Hard Rock is now going to be the Virgin. The Sphere at at you know um at uh, the MSG Sphere at the Venetian, mm-hmm. um the Raiders Stadium. I, I know I am, the Allegiant Stadium. Oh my exciting. yeah, Allegiant, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, we are the sports that are coming to town. I know. It's T-Mobile Arena and the stadium, and then the Sphere. That's a Madison Square Garden place. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with that and brings more excitement to the city. You're an insider. I heard they're going to knock down the Rio and put a baseball stadium. Did you hear what? that too? Yeah. There are some rumors about that. Um, I don't think that they have been confirmed. Um, okay. I believe it's still going to operate. So um, although in this time right now, I think things are a bit on hold. Oh, sure, because, of course. Um, there's, there's hotels. I want to say there's about 16 hotels that are still not open in Las Vegas. The most recent right. one to open was Badara, opened yesterday. So it's oh, good okay. to yeah, see yeah. The city getting healthy and and the hotels coming back online and uh, it's really about building that trust again in the city for people to feel comfortable to come back and and making guests and employees feel safe. So it's uh, it's it's going to take some time. Of course, hospitality is the number one industry in the state. Um, so yes, we are we have been hard hit here, but there's just so many experiences for people to enjoy when they're here. I know that guests are going to be looking forward to coming back. Vegas survived 9-11. Vegas survived mm-hmm. the 2008 recession. Vegas is going to survive COVID. We're all going to survive. Absolutely. And, and, and thrive. And no thrive. And no I can't wait for it. Vegas to get back. But Shannon, tell our audience where they could find you, how they can connect with you, uh, LinkedIn, an email address if you want to give it out. But you know, however you want people to follow you, um, you know, just go ahead. Tell them where, we, where they can find you. Of course. Most of my activity is on LinkedIn, so that's a really great place to find me. I also am on Twitter, which um, I do share quite a lot of content on Twitter. Um, So look for me there under my name. And then also um, my email address is attached to my account on LinkedIn if anyone wants to contact me directly. And uh, again, this has just been such a pleasure to spend time with the two of you and and to catch up and really talk about where we are right now and what the future is going to hold for this for the city of Las Vegas and the state of Nevada. Anytime that you need a platform, you can, you're, you're it's, you're, it's the Oak and Bros McCallum podcast at this point. 
Okay. <laughs> so oh, any, good. I get to join. Yes. For coming on, Shannon. Shannon thank and you. Uh, please like, subscribe, comment, share, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be seeing everybody later. I'm going to sign off now. Hang out for two seconds. Bye, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye, Bye guys. Thank you. Bye.